This morning's scripture from the Word of God is from Isaiah chapter 48. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, whom I called. I am he. I am the first and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble, all of you, and listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose in Babylon and his arm against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him and he will prosper in his way. Draw near to me. Hear this. From the beginning I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like sand and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Go out from Babylon Flee from Chaldea. Declare this with a shout of joy. Proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. Amen. Thank you, Nora. Well, good morning. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and sweet time of thanks with your family and your close friends. and We went up to Loman. Uh, my in-laws have a cabin there. They live full time. and So we enjoyed a uh, sweet time with them uh, in Loman with uh, Tom and Donna and with our extended family. And then we went out and, and uh, got our Charlie Brown Christmas tree uh, in the mountains there. We're thankful for that. And just a lot to be thankful for uh, this uh, Thanksgiving season. I showed up this morning, and you know one of the things I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for Christmas lights. I love these. I love these as we, as we uh, celebrate Advent, as we prepare. And uh, I'm thankful we have a new projector that was put in so that things can be clear up here. And uh, so that for people like me whose vision is bad, uh, we can start to see. And uh, so thankful for the team who put all that in and put up all these lights, who really every week sets up for us so that we might come and worship before the Lord. And I hope you're thankful. I hope uh, you're thankful this season unto the Lord and especially uh, thankful for His grace. That's really what we're going to look at this morning, being thankful for God's grace uh, in our midst. So, hey, I'm thankful you guys are home. Happy anniversary. (laughs) My dear friends celebrating their anniversary this week. So uh, let me tell you a little story. Petra Reschi, who is a, a leading expert on the Italian Mafia, she has a book out called The Honored Society, 
a portrait of Italy's most powerful mafia. And she delves into the lives of, of these incredible leaders. And one of the things that she points out, she says, faith in God and living like a mafioso are fairly common in the strange world of Italian mobsters. For example, Sicilian mafioso Marcello Fava. That's a great Italian Sicilian name. Marcello Fava. He got out of uh, being part of the, uh, the, the uh, mob, and he said this. He said, before I had to kill someone, he said, I would cross myself. And I would say, dear God, stand by me. Make sure nothing happens except to this poor schmuck over here that I'm going to off. And then he said, but I, I wasn't the only one who would do that. We all crossed ourselves before we took a life. Mafia boss Bernardo Provenzano. He was arrested, and they found in his room, they found five Bibles, and as they opened up his Bibles, there was hundreds of markings and comments and verses underlined all about the goodness of the Lord and His faithfulness. And hundreds upon hundreds, every page is highlighted in his room. And then they found all of these images, these statues, 73 that were in his room were of Christ figures. And each one of them bore the inscription, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Something pretty backwards about that, isn't there? As we enter into chapter 48 today, the Lord is refining His people, and He's entering into the same issues that they're going through, like this. Hollow, hollow worship. You swear by the name of the Lord, and you confess the God of Israel. Your Bibles are all highlighted, but you're not living in truth. You're not responding to my truth, not being obedient to my truth. You're not living in righteousness. Your life has not been transformed to where you're actually living out the life of Christ. It's hollow worship. And the Lord is talking to his people about how he's refining them and wants to draw them out of that back into relationship with them. And how he's going to pour his grace upon them. His desire is that they don't stay in this place. His desire is that in the middle of their sin, that they would be drawn out and that they would repent, that they would get away from this hollow worship that's just giving lip service to God and yet living an incredibly sinful life in rebellion. His desire is that as His grace is poured out, is that they would have spiritual renewal in their lives and that we would become and that they would become a people who are thankful for grace. They're just playing the game. Playing Christian. Playing God followers. Reminds me of like like a thespian in Hamlet. To be or not to be godly this week. Or obedient this week. To be or not to be. To be or not to be righteous this week. Oh, I'm such a good thespian. I pray in public at the dinner table, and then yet I go to my workplace and I steal money. Hollow worship. Jesus says this in Luke 6.46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you do not do 
what I say? Why do you keep giving me lip service, crying out to me, going to the temple, going to church, and yet you do not do what I say? You see, these are God's people. These are his chosen ones. These are the ones he created to be a blessing. He's their redeemer. He's their king. And they're just plain God followers. They're faking it. And oh, how that breaks the heart of God. But here's the good news about our loving God. Grace, grace, grace. Here's the gospel. Jesus died for such sinners as those Israelites, for you and me, who are playing Christianity. And he doesn't give up on them, and he doesn't give up on us. And that's what we're going to see in this chapter. We're going to see his amazing grace poured out. And not only that, we're going to see God actually glorified through the brokenness of their sin and through the rebellion, that he is going to be shown for who he really is, that he alone is God. He will be glorified in the, in the Judeans who are in captivity. He will be revealed for who he really is, a God of love, a God of grace, a God of peace. Let's pray that this morning. Father, I pray that, um, that you will forgive us. Forgive us when we play Christian. Forgive us when we uh, don't live out in righteousness and following your ways. And Father, we want to. And sometimes our flesh uh, just goes the opposite direction. The enemy is attacking us. And Father, uh, we give in to that. But we thank you that you don't stop pursuing us. And we thank you that you don't give up on us. And we thank you, Father, that you pour out amazing grace upon us. And we want to receive that this morning. And we want to turn. And we want to enter into your peace and, and receive rivers flowing of peace. And we want to live the life that you've intended us to live, Father. So restore us and renew us. We thank you for forgiving us. And we thank you that you're a God of second chances. Show us through your word this morning what you have for us, Father. In your precious name, amen. I love uh, Ray Ortland. He's a, he's a theologian and writes uh, several commentaries. And I, I just really appreciate what he has to say. And he says, he says this uh, about this chapter. He says, we've all heard the objection. Christianity can't be true. Look at all the people in the church. They're sinners. They're messed up just like everybody else. So Christianity can't be true. Because just look at us. What a mess. And yet Isaiah 48 takes us into a different perspective. God's view. What does God think? With a statement this of this. Christianity must be true. Because look at all the people in the church. They're sinners like everyone else. And God steps right into the middle of that with redemption and forgiveness. And then he goes on, and I just love this. I, mean, I have to share it with you because it's so good. Well, what's the difference between these two lines of reasoning? The logic of each is impeccable in its own way. Each one is grounded in a different premise. The skeptical objection to the gospel is premised in works righteousness, what I'm doing for God. But the logic of God is premised in grace. Christianity must be true 
Because only God would save sinners. God proves that He is God by His grace to sinners. Do you hear that? And that's what we're going to see in this chapter. He's going to prove Himself. Because of His name, He's going to be glorified. Right in the middle of the mess. The grace of God, this is so good, I just really, again, appreciate this. The grace of God is not an afterthought. His grace is not plan B in view of our failures. Then catch this. Grace is the very nature of God. Does it seem obvious to us that God would judge sinners? Well, yes, it does. But does it seem obvious that God would welcome sinners into the fiery love of the Trinitarian Godhead. That's breathtaking. But God is not out to prove that He is God by nuking us. He's out to prove He is God by embracing us forever. This is His glory. And that's what we're going to see this morning. If you are in Christ, whatever God is doing in your life right now, it's not an experiment that he might end up abandoning you when he gets fed up with you. You need to know that God would have to stop being God before he would ever quit on you. Grace upon grace. Are you thankful for grace? Let me just give you a little reminder of where we're at. Chapter 48 this morning is the end, it's the climax of a section starting in verse 41, where Isaiah is speaking to a future generation of Judeans, Israelites, who are going to be in captivity for, in Babylon. It'll be 100, 150 years from this point of writing. But God is speaking to this future generation through Isaiah, letting them know what he's doing, so that they can't say, well, it was some molten image, it was some idol that actually told me all this. It was some idol that delivered me. Or it was Cyrus who actually delivered me. No! I'm telling you all these things because you need to know how I work, who I am, and it's God alone who delivers you. And so he speaks forth, and chapter 48 is the culmination of all of that. This is what's going to happen when you end up in Babylon. And ultimately... The truth is, and you need to hold on to this, I'm going to deliver you out. I will be your redeemer. I will be your savior. I'm going to free you out of the bondage of sin. And he's writing this in advance to be an encouragement to these future followers of God who at the point are rebelling against him and they're not listening to to God. He wants to teach them not to fear He wants to encourage them to to realize that God has still called them, that they're still his people. You know, I think sometimes one of the things we forget along the journey, in the middle of the Mass, is that we're children of God, those of us who have received our Lord as our Savior. You're children of God. I still call you. I still have purpose for you. Even though you think, man, I have sinned greatly. I've been running from God. He's wanting to remind you, hey, I'm still pursuing you. I don't give up on you. He wants to remind them and encourage them 
that he's going to help them in every aspect of their journey out of Babylon. He wants to encourage them to, to actually leave Babylon. You know one of the things that happens to us along the way when we decide to, to live in our sin? We get kind of comfortable there. And so the encouragement and the, 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 the struggle and the wrestling with his people is, hey, it's time to get out of your sin. I have so much more for you. And a lot of us, when, when we all of a sudden have the opportunity to escape, we kind of go, huh, I'm not sure if I actually want to go. This lifestyle of sin I'm kind of getting used to. And he's saying, no, 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 it's nothing but death. And so he's saying, I'm going to lead you out. I'm going to give you my truth. I'm going to pour out my grace upon you. He wants this new generation to, to enter into building up of the new temple and the new city and the city walls. And he wants them to be reminded that, you know what, you need to be restored in relationship with me. Our relationship right now is broken. Sometimes we we aren't even aware of how distant we are from God and that our relationship is broken. And he's calling his people and he's calling us to recognize, you're far away from me. There's that song out there, it's a slow fade. All of a sudden one day we realize, man, we are far from the Lord. Slow fade. And he's saying this, wake up. Listen, don't keep fading away. I want to free you from this. The path that you're going down will lead to nothing but destruction in your life and ultimately to spiritual death. Don't go that way. I have so much for you. And receive my grace. I know you're kicking against me right now, but I'm not going to stop pursuing you. Receive my grace. And he pours it on him. Are you thankful for grace? Our loving Lord wants to deliver His people out of the bondage of sin into a life of freedom, into a life of peace. And the only place that that comes from is from God and God alone. You have to know that. You know in your soul when you sin, when you sin against someone in your family, when you sin and you you just lie and cheat at work, wherever you're sinning at, you know in your soul you are not at peace. You are not at rest. And the Lord is saying, why do you keep staying there at that place? I want to free you from that. Receive my grace. Receive it. Grace, that beautiful, unmerited, unearned favor upon us. His mercy, His kindness. He just keeps pouring out His love, even though we're kicking against Him. That's who our God is. He wants that to be known not only to the Israelites, but to the whole world. Grace upon grace. Are you thankful for grace? I know Josh is. Huh? Was that a good one? That was a good one. For those of you who don't know, his wife's name is Grace. And so he says this. He says, listen up. Listen to me. He uses that... that, that Hebrew verb ten times in this chapter, to listen. A friend of mine came in between services and, and she said, you know, listen has the same letters as silent. I thought, you know what, that's good. You'll figure it out at home, maybe, when you get the... <laughs> listen has the same words as silent. Be, be silent before God and actually listen to Him. Hear Him. At the heart of faith is listening to God. Romans 10, 17. 
Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. The Jewish exiles are not listening to, the, to God. They're, they're like our teenage children, where they're on, their, they're on their phones, and you're talking to them and saying, hey, this is what I need you to do today, and hey, this would be good for you. And, and they're just like, uh-huh. And they're just nodding their heads. And they're looking at their phones, and they're nodding their heads. They're not listening to you. They're totally dialed out. And that's what's happening. They're just, they're just checked out. And they, they don't even actually, I think at this point, know the voice of God anymore. They've gotten so far away. He says, be still. Know that I am God. Listen to me. Receive my grace. You're kicking against me. You're living this life where you're just doing it on your own, where you're following idols, where you're thinking that you're going to figure it all out. You're running from me. Stop it. Receive my tenderness. Like Isaiah 40 said, I'm the, I'm the tender shepherd. Receive that from me. God keeps working on his people. Here's the good news. God's not defeated when we as a people don't live by faith. When we're nominal in our faith. That's good news. He's not defeated. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stop wanting us to, to have the life that He intended us to have. To, he doesn't stop wanting to have relationship with us. We in the flesh, we give up on people all the time. He doesn't. He doesn't. I don't care what grievous sin you have done. You need to know this morning that the Lord will forgive that. And the Lord will draw you close again. That's what He's doing with His people. Again, this whole lifestyle of worshiping idols, this whole lifestyle of doing whatever they want, this whole lifestyle of thinking they're all that, basically thinking they're God, and he keeps pursuing after them. I want you to know what I'm going to do. I prophesied it long ago. I'm telling you the things of old. So you understand my grace poured out then as I delivered my people out of out of Egypt and all that I did with them. And I'm telling you new things that are going to happen. There's going to be a new exodus. It'll be out of Babylon. And I'm also telling you another thing that's new. It's about my servant. He's the one who's ultimately going to deliver you. Isaiah 42. He's the one. I'm telling you new things. No one else can tell you these things. No one else can work in such a way. I need to make it obvious to you. I'm telling you all of these things so that you'll know it's God and God alone. But you're so thick-headed, is what the Scriptures say. You're stiff-necked. You won't listen. Every time I'm speaking truth to you, it just bounces off. That thick skull of yours. Sophocles said this, Stubbornness and stupidity are twins. Stubbornness and stupidity are twins. I think that's absolutely true. When we are so stubborn and we won't listen to anything that anybody is offering to us about how to have good life, about the direction we should go, when we are so stubborn and stuck in our way, so thick-headed, then we end up making the most stupid decisions, don't we? And we look back and we're like, gosh, why did I not listen? Why did I make such a stupid decision? The Lord is going to bring you out of bondage. Listen to it. I'm telling you it all now so it will get through your thick head. It's not a molten image that's going to deliver you. I will deliver you out of Babylon. 
And he's going to use that time in Babylon as this refining fire. He's going to put them through affliction. And you know what we learn later on down the line? They really started to follow the Lord. Those idols, they weren't being drawn back to that. The Lord did the good work he needed to do. And the people finally responded. And they were transformed forever. You see, that's the work that the Lord does. And what happens is, when a people are transformed, who's glorified? The molten image? No. God is glorified. He took that hard heart, he took that thick, stubborn head of yours, and he changed you forever. That's what he's doing. That's what he's speaking to the Israelites. But he's saying, stop playing games. Stop giving me lip service. And it's the question for all of us. Is our worship genuine? Is it genuine? Do we take credit when good things are happening in our life instead of giving credit to God who deserves it? Does God's word just bounce off of our necks, our heads? Stiff-necked? Stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. Thanks God for sharing. Saying, I want to do more. I am going to show you. For my name's sake, I will delay my wrath. For my praise, I restrain it. I refined you like silver. For my own name's sake. You see, for my name's sake, I'm going to work right in the middle of your stubbornness. I'm going to show you everything that's going to be happening in your captivity. I'm going to show you what I've done before and what I'm doing in the future. Because, for my name's sake, I want you to know what it's happening. You got to understand something. If, if God cut him off, if God just destroyed his people, then what does the world say about God? Oh, he couldn't deliver his people. He couldn't change them. God went back on his word. Do you understand what would happen about the, the name of God? So he says, for my name's sake, all glory is going to go to me. It's not going to go to a molten image. It's not going to go to Cyrus. I'm going to use Cyrus as a deliverer, but it doesn't belong to him. For my name's sake, I will deliver you. I am patient. I'm sending my servant as the ultimate deliverer. Grace upon grace. You see, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Israelites, while you kept kicking against me and all of that, I still poured out my grace upon you so that you would know me and so that the world would know me. It's only God who saves sinners. That's where he's glorified. Patience upon patience. He's calling his people back into righteousness. So listen to me, verse 12. Listen to me. Assemble all of you. Listen. Who among you has declared these things? Nobody but the Lord. Who among you? I am the first and I am the last. I'm the one who's been doing this from the beginning. I'm the one who started this work with you. I'm the one who started this deliverance from the beginning of time, really. And I will end it. It reminds me of Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will bring it unto completion upon the day of Christ Jesus. That's what he's doing with the Israelites, and that's what he's doing with us. He who began, I am the first. I began the good work in you. 
And my promise is, and that we can bank on, is I will finish this good work in you. Yeah, I'm going to put you in captivity for 70 years, but I'm going to bring you out as a beautiful, righteous people. I don't give up on you. And I want you to know ahead of time, I'm the one who told you how it was all going to be. I'm the one. Who else has declared these things? And the answer to that is nobody but God alone. And I'm going to use Cyrus in the middle of it. And don't you love the scriptures? I love that guy. God says I love Cyrus. I love hearing that. Not only do I love Cyrus, I'm going to use Cyrus for my good pleasure, which is to deliver you out of bondage. I'm going to use Cyrus. He's the earthly servant that I'm going to use. And then ultimately, there's going to be one from me who will deliver you from bondage for your soul. There's one, really, who is the only servant, my son, who will deliver you. I love Cyrus. You know what's true today? The Lord loves our president. And you know what we need to be reminded of? Proverbs 21. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. And he will turn it wherever he will. You see, it's the Lord and the Lord alone. He's planning this new exodus. He's going to use Cyrus, whom he loves, to do his good will. All of our presidents and kings who think they're in authority, authority, they are under authority. And God will move them how he wills for his people to draw his people back into righteousness. That's the Lord's choice to do. He is going to deliver his people, grace upon grace. Now, I want you to, I want you to highlight in your Bibles Isaiah 48, 16. This is, the, this is such a beautiful verse in the center of everything. And I want you to see the tenderness of God. Come near to me and listen to this. From the first, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it took place, I was there. And now the Lord God has sent me in his spirit. Look how tender. Come near to me. Come into my bosom. Come into my arm. Again, it's that Isaiah 40. I'm a tender shepherd. Stop running away. Stop turning to idols. Come near. And now listen to me. I've been telling you about the plan of deliverance. I'm not hiding it. And you need to know about it so that I am glorified when it all comes about. It's been my intention for you the whole time. The first part... Come near to me. Listen to this. This is God's voice. From the first, I have not spoken to you in secret. God's voice. From the time it took place, I was there. God's voice. Now look at this. There's a change of voice. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. We see that same type of language in Isaiah 49 next week. In Isaiah 50. In Isaiah 61, the Spirit is upon the servant. And in all those references, it's speaking of Jesus. Do you understand something? Isaiah is Advent. Isaiah is preparing us for Jesus. Isaiah is preparing us for the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of all joy, the God of love. Isaiah is preparing us for that. Will you receive his grace? He has so much more life for us that he's intended for us. Draw near. Come to me. Listen to me. The voice of Jesus. 
And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You don't think Jesus has been in the beginning of all this from the beginning of time about his plan for salvation and redemption and all he's going to do and all his work and his people and all his desire for relationship with us because God cannot stand before sin and he wants that relationship with us from the beginning of time. Grace. It's not plan B. It's the story of salvation and redemption. It's Advent. Are you ready for Jesus? If only you would have listened to me and my commandments, then peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. God's not rubbing it in. He's like, ah, if you just listened to me, things would have been so much better. It's not like that. Remember that TV show, Let's Make a Deal, that game show? Oh, if you'd only chosen door number three, you would have got the new car. But instead, you're stuck with two cans of tuna, you know? It's not like God saying, well, if you just listen to me, bummer now, but you didn't, so life stinks now. It does stink because you didn't listen. But he's not saying, you're going to stay there. Do you see his grace here? What he's saying is, I want you to listen to me now. Now's the time to change. Now's the time to come out of bondage and follow me and repent and be forgiven and receive new life. Now's the time. There will be peace like rivers flowing out. It will go well with you as you listen to me. That's why we teach you the word of God, dear saints. This is how we hear the voice of the Lord through his word and what he has for us. Because we want to know and we want to follow him and we want to be obedient. And as we listen to his word, God pours out his peace in us. And even while we're still struggling in our sin, He's pouring out His grace that we might receive it. Don't reject it. You see, when we reject His grace, it says there's no peace. There's no peace. But if today is the day for you, you know, we're going to take communion here in a minute. Today might be that day that you're saying, I'm tired of running from you, God. Today, as you take communion, receive His grace and start anew. Our God is a God of second chances. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you for your radical love for us. I thank you that you don't give up on us. I thank you from the beginning of time, you've had this plan of salvation and this this offering of grace to us. And Father, I pray that you'll work in the hearts of those in this room right now who feel like they have sinned so much that they can't be in your grace. Through your Holy Spirit, show them that they can be forgiven and transformed and renewed and that this day they can begin a new life with you. So, Father, do your work in our hearts this morning, I pray. We thank you for communion, coming to the table. We're reminded of your amazing grace poured out for us. And we are thankful. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.